Now betting for the sports animal. Your afternoon drive. Number two, Menon, Van Nunley, and Fred Slow. And in the on-deck circle, Amarie Castillo. This is Two Men On with Van Nunley and Fred Slow. Two hours in the books, one to go. Having a blast here out at ABQX. This season's league championship is about to start right now. There's going to be a lot of hooting and hollering and banging very shortly here at ABQX. Come get your Red Door beer. Come get some delicious food and drink. Come have some fun with the boys. Uh, and this atmosphere is about to be very electric and I'm really excited to have this in the background while we're doing the program. You're listening to Two Men On, 95.9 FM, AM 610, the Sports Animal. All right, Amory, you ready? I'm so excited. We got 30 straight minutes of NFL quarterback talk with our NFL insider, our contributor, the quarterback whisperer himself, Ned James. What's happening, my dude? Hey, what's happening? Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. Glad to finally be back in the bouquet. Ned, you've been gone, man. Summer, man. Every time Ned has texted me this summer, he is somewhere. <laughs> let's, I'm glad I, to be back here, though. <laughs> now. Let's talk about some of your adventures uh, during the summer, because you wear a lot of hats. Like, what, what all did you get yourself into? Well, you know, my daughters, it, it, you know, when you have a daughter, you got to move them. And, you know, sure. I, I, I don't like this place. I got to move to another place. And so I was in Tennessee and in Atlanta, you know, move my daughter, go to Emory down there. And then, uh, you know, I got a chance to go to the to this Hall of Fame. I saw Javon Kirst this summer. He invites me to the Hall of Fame banquet. So I'm there with Warren Moon, who I coached in Seattle. Who, great to reconnect with the moon man and then uh you know with the california got to go down to costa mesa with my buddy anthony miller who's in all good in the hall of fame with the chargers and kind of hang out with the chargers and tom telesco the gm there who was a scout at one time i can't believe i'm so old these guys are these scouts are, he's been a gm 10 years i'm like oh my god i'm i'm seeing all the gray in my hair now and then uh got a chance to watch the saints and mickey loomis who i worked with up in seattle the gm down New Orleans, they kind of practice with uh, the Chargers, so that's Derek Carr and Jameis Winston and Justin Herbert and Dugan and all those guys practice a little bit. So it's been fun. It's been the quarterback summer, so it's been fun catching up with football guys. A hot boy QB summer for Ned. Uh, oh, thanks for joining again, man. We love picking your brain on NFL talk. You know, former quarterback, NFL coach, you're about as active in the game as anyone I know. Uh, can we start, before we go to the NFL, can we talk a little Lobos first? What do you sure. think about this Dylan Hopkins kid? Oh, he's the real deal. Now, he's a Tennessee, he's the East Tennessee kid. So it was, it's been fun talking to him and D.C. Tapscott because they're, you know, I got some friends in Franklin, Tennessee. He went to uh, Father Ryan, a Catholic school there, and all the Catholic school guys are calling me saying they think this is D.C. Tapscott. But, but Dylan Hopkins is going to be the starter. He's, he, he's done a really good job. He's a really effective and efficient uh, QB manager. I mean, he manages the game. He doesn't have the great talent that we saw with uh, Terry Wilson, but he's really good at managing. I think people are going to like this offense with uh, with Brian Vincent with the uh, 
with the check with me stuff that he does, and he puts a lot of it on the quarterback and the multiple formations and shifts and motions. And, and I'm telling you, it's a really efficient offensive system and scheme. Um, you know, we might be a little outmatched physically with this Texas A&M bunch, but uh, I like how things look as far as how the game is managed. Uh, may have a little bit of a depth issue, but, uh, you know, I, th- I see some talent there. And I'm interested to see once we get into the thick of it uh, how this offense goes and how uh, how this team plays because, uh, you know, it's Danny's show now. You know, he's not here. You know, it was the Rocky Long umbrella. Sure. He was kind of, you know, he was kind of under Rocky a little bit while Rocky was here being the defensive coordinator. Now it's, it's kind of his show. It's kind of his defense. And uh, we're going to see if they can be efficient defensively because I think they'll be a little bit more efficient offensively this year. So, I mean, Dylan, to me, like one thing I don't really do is historically friends and uh, especially teachers will know this is homework. But I did my homework a little bit on Dylan, and he looks like a dude. He looks like a quarterback. He looks like a guy who knows what he's doing. And we haven't had consistent quarterback play here for quite some time. Is this the piece that can gel an offense for Coach G? Well, he's got the pedigree. You know, he won in high school, won two state championships in high school, Marysville down there, the big school in East Tennessee. I mean, so he comes from good stock. He won at UAB. Um, you know, he's not the athlete you would you would like to see. In my opinion, this is just my opinion. Um, but boy, is he sharp. I mean, boy, is he and boy, is he he and and um, and Brian Vincent. You know, they're on the same page. I mean, they know. You know what each other is thinking, and that's why I think they switched the staff around a little bit this summer uh, to make sure that he was the guy, the only voice in uh, Dylan's ear. They moved he from quarterbacks to running backs, and then uh, so I, I think Brian Benson just really wanted to have that communication with the quarterback, which I think is important with the coordinator. And uh, you know, just watching him at practice, just watching him, you know, with the group of guys, and I like this offensive line a little bit better than they do. They don't like him as much as I do. And I think that's where it's won. It's won in the trenches, and uh, we'll see how it goes. From Lobo football to NFL football, let's let's start with the rookies. So I want to hear what you think about these rookies who are going to end up starting this year. And let's start with the number one overall pick. You have strong feelings about Kyler Murray. This kid is even shorter than Kyler Murray. Can he keep up with the pace of play at NFL? Is his height going to matter that much? What are your thoughts on Bryce Young? Well, it's going to be tough. You know, when you have a young quarterback, the most important thing, in my opinion, is you can't get him hit. Uh, uh, That's what happened with uh, Peyton Manning. When Peyton Manning was in Indianapolis, what really helped him his rookie year was, and I I talked to Howard Mudd, who was the offensive line coach, and and he was philosophically, he felt that way. And I worked with him in, in Seattle, and he was always like, once they get hit, you know, once they get beaten as puppies, they always bite. You know, you can't get them out of it. You know, it's tough to get them out of it. And so when guys get shell-shocked, when they get hit a bunch, when they're when they're young quarterbacks, they, they never really rebound from it. I think David Carr had that problem down in Houston when he was drafted down there, number one. He just got beat up that first year, and he never really rebounded from it. So you want to be careful with these young quarterbacks when you stick them in there. Because once you start taking them licks in the NFL, I mean, you can be gun-shy real quick. And uh, it's hard to rebound from it. So I think it's going to be tough down there. I don't know what kind of defense they have down in Carolina because I always start with the defense um, because you want to, you know, you don't want to have to throw the ball. You don't want to have to win the game with the rookie quarterback. So, and, and that's where uh, 
you know, Bill Belichick was so efficient in, in uh, New England <laughs> with, uh, with the with the with uh, the Patriots before uh, when he had Matt Jones was because he was able to just control the game on the defensive side, and, and Matt Jones got him into the playoffs. But you know, it's going to be tough for these young guys when it comes to uh, trying to you know live up to the you know, I guess the the standards that they have in the NFL for uh, you know top tier quarterbacks. Uh, when you're a first year guy, it's just really really hard. Uh, to break into that group of guys who can get to the playoffs in your first year. I mean, in the history of the NFL, only two quarterbacks on under six foot have won a Super Bowl. I mean, that's Drew Brees and Russell Wilson, and they're just a shade under six foot. So we're going to see a real test from Bryce Young if he can hang at this speed with these athletes in the NFL. I mean, let's go straight to the, the number two pick, C.J. Stroud. And it seems like he's got everything below the neck that you need, but I'm not sure if he has everything above his shoulders that a successful NFL quarterback needs. What are your thoughts on C.J. Stroud? Well, it's not neuroscience. It's not neurosurgery. He's not doing a a medical procedure out there. He's playing football. So I don't know the whole above-the-neck thing. It can be a little bit uh, distorted in the NFL. Uh, I think, you know, when you have young guys, uh, the talent, um, you know, in the in the maturity part of it, you know, you guys really have to grow up fast. And uh, when you start a rookie, you just don't want to get him hit. You want to have a defensive philosophy. And he's got D'Amico Ryan as a defensive coach. You just want to run the ball to play defense and then play great special teams. And that's what they're going to try to do in Houston. Uh, they're not going to put too much on him. I'm hoping. Uh, and it's like it's no different than Bryce Young. I mean, I, the, the height thing. The metrics and the measurements, you know, those are all disputed. You know, it's just like the intellectual stuff. I mean, you know, we would have all Ivy League, Harvard guys playing quarterback if it sure. was an intellectual thing. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, it just has to it has to mesh all together, the chemistry of it with the team. You know, a lot of these guys have first-year coaches. They're young coaches. They're, they're eager. But, I mean, some of them will have time. These two new coaches will have time. So, I mean, if they're not really worried about losing their jobs, they really should be patient with these young guys and just, you know, try to play good, sound defensive and offensive football and not t- try to give them too much too early. As far as raw talent goes, if you want to just draw a modern football player, a modern quarterback, my guy is Anthony Richardson. Do you think he's in a horrible situation that's going to hold him back, or does he have this skill set that's going to translate to be an NFL quarterback? Well, they're trying to use the Jalen Hurts model. They're trying to bring – they brought the offensive coordinator from Philadelphia to Indianapolis right. uh, to put that model in. That's why he got that job. Now, and, and A. Marie knows this about me better because I say it all the time. I don't believe you win on offense. I believe you sell tickets, and that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to sell some wolf tickets with this kid. <laughs> you know, who's only played 13 games in college. It barely won most of those guys. It barely had a passing you know, percentage. And they're, they're, they're putting all their hopes on this guy. But, you know, you, you sell tickets on offense, you win games on defense, you win championships on special teams. And I don't believe they have that infrastructure there in Indianapolis quite yet. I, we'll have to wait and see, you know, what happens. Uh, you know, because it just seems with this owner behaving the way he is with sure. calling out players and, you know, the situation with the running back was kind of unnecessary with, you know, as far as the, the, you know, taking verbal jabs at each other from the business standpoint on contracts, you know, in the media. 
Um, I, I just think that they should, you know, kind of, you know, if, if, we, if we don't know what they're going to be like defensively and on special teams, we'll have to wait and see because this quarterback's in for a rude awakening despite his measurements. Uh, when, I, when I say the prototypical quarterback, I think of Carson Palmer. And uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals, you want a six foot five Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, sure. you know, who plays in the pot. And I, I'm I'm with the Stiffs. Me and JJ are kind of uh, having this little contest. <laughs> He's picking all the RPO guys. Yep. I'm picking all the Stiffs, yep. and we're gonna see who who wins the most games because the pocket passer in the game is the game is evolving to more of the RPO stuff like the Patrick Mahomes and the Jalen Hurts. But, but you know, the Stiffs are, are gonna have something to say too with with guys who play from the pocket. And uh, you know the Burrows and those guys who don't really run a lot, and uh, and, and how they play the quarterback position, and how much, how many games they win. Ned, uh, I have a question for you. I know we're focusing primarily on quarterbacks, but I think this is a very important question when it comes to the quarterback. So all off season, we've been dealing with people saying that the running back position isn't valuable anymore which I don't I think that the running back is still very important. I think it helps relieve some pressure like Anthony Richardson could use Jonathan Taylor obviously this season just as a rookie quarterback, but in general, what do you think about this whole nonsense with the running back position isn't important? And I think that's you're exactly right, it's nonsense. I think, you know, when it comes to the business part of it, uh everybody's got their opinions, everybody's got uh you know, a say in what they think is valuable and what's invaluable, but uh you know, I, I always refer back to Bill Belichick. He understands how the salary cap works. You know, you, you can't pay everybody. And, uh, yeah, you you got to pay the more valuable players. Sure. But uh, you run up against the cap sometimes, and I think that's what happened uh, in Indianapolis. They, they're running up against the cap. But, you know, don't don't put your business out in the streets. You don't. The owner didn't have to come out and, and talk about, hey, the guy wants to, you know, you just work behind the scenes. And there's ways to pay running backs. Uh, you just have to, you know, you have to be creative. I mean, don't buy Beatles memorabilia and don't give $27 million to a guy who's <laughs> You know, you give a guy $27 million, uh, uh, luck, Andrew Luck, who's sitting at home, and then you say you don't have the money. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. But uh, running back is important. Um, wait till November. I always tell the old Mike Vitale, I used to tell him all the time, Winter is coming. You better pack a running game because if you don't have a running game in November, you're not winning any games. You're not winning up in Cleveland. You're not winning in Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Green Bay and those places if you can't run the ball. So, you know, this whole idea that the quarterback is that valuable, the worst athlete on the team next to the kicker and the punter are some of these stiffs that stand in the pocket. Uh, you can't really say that you should pay those guys, you know, and they're that valuable as, as far as how much money they make compared to the, the most athletic guys on the field, which are probably the running backs. Ned, let's uh, close out our rookie roundtable. We talked about Bryce Young. We talked about C.J. Stroud. We talked about Anthony Richardson. For my money, the guy who performed the best out of any rookie in the preseason is Raiders backup Aiden O'Connell. Did you get your eyes on this kid? No, I didn't see Aiden O'Connell, and, and, and neither will you because he probably won't have to play. As long as, uh, the, the quarterback they have down there, Jimmy Garoppolo, is making the kind of cheese and cheddar that he's making at quarterback. You better believe he better be he better be in there playing. So uh, that's uh, that's just you know there's some young guys who, who are going to come and show out in the preseason, but it's the preseason. Uh, but the greatest day in sports is coming up. It's called opening day in the NFL, yes. and that's when the real bullets start flying. And we're going to talk NFL quarterbacks. We went through our rookies. I want to talk about change of scenery quarterbacks when we get back. Ned James joins us talking NFL. 
You're listening to Two Men On, 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. Broad. Welcome back to Two Men On, 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. The ABQ Axe Championship Battle just started 55.05 Osuna. Do I sound like I've had a Red Door beer? I just finished my first Red Door beer, Amory. I'm getting excited for some axe throwing. Not going to lie. Awesome. Joined back on the program, our NFL insider and quarterback whisperer, Ned James. We're talking about changes of scenery quarterbacks now right here on Two Men On on 95.9 FM, AM 610, Sports Animal. All right, let's talk about with the eyeliner king himself. Either Derek or David Carr. I'm never sure which one he is. Is in New Orleans now. How do you think he's going to fare with the change of scenery? He just looked little to me. I, I just that's what I was telling JJ when I was calling back because I was at camp. I was trying to do a little segment with him from camp, and uh, he's just small. Um, he holds on to the ball a lot, but we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, it's the change of scenery. You know, it's going to be it's going to be no different for him than it will be for uh, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they're both going to defensive coaches. You know, they're both playing. You know, for the first time on teams the way that they, you know, they've been connected to other teams before, and now they're playing for a different franchise. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. It's always tied to the relationship between the head coach and the quarterback. So whichever way that goes, if that gets a little wonky, uh, then you're going to see a little bit of a decline with those guys. Uh, but uh, you know, everybody's kind of anticipating that everything's going to be warm and fuzzy because they're in new new digs, but uh, a lot of times that doesn't always happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that one, and he needed to get out of Vegas desperately. I mean, you know how big a disaster that organization is. The turnover, the storylines, it's hard to do. But to me, Derek Carr is Kirk Cousins and eyeliner. He's a middle-of-the-road guy. He can do what you need to do. If you fill him, I mean, you surround him with fantastic weapons and a really good coach and defense, he can do what you need to do. But beyond that, not so much. Well, I mean, everybody thinks the quarterback is Superman. I, I'm not one of those guys. I think you got to have, you know, everybody's got to have some great players around them. And, you know, you got to play good defense and you got to play good, great special teams. And, and, and the, the only number that really matters is how much do you win? And, the whole concept of a bad organization, the Bengals have been in the championship game in the Super Bowl, and that's the worst organization in my mind in the NFL, even the, even over the Cardinals and you know other teams that uh, people think are bad, like Detroit. Uh, you know you can win in that league because it's a sal- there's a salary cap, and everybody's playing on, on, on the same level playing field, uh, unless you're cheating in New England. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the big story. Four-time NFL MVP, goes to the New Jersey Jets. He's on hard knocks. Every light, every microphone is in his face. How does Aaron Rodgers do in his new situation? Who? Who is that? Nice. I'm just letting you know right now, every team in the NFL is going to say, who are you? I don't even know who yeah, you are. Who are you? We don't even know who you are. Nobody knows who you are, old man. Oh, God, that's He's like funny. the old guy at the club who thinks that he's still hip. Okay, Aaron, you got to win some games, my man. 
you're in the AFC East now. You're not in Green Bay anymore, Dorothy. You're going to have to try to win some games in a different conference. So it it it, it was fascinating watching him on that hard knock the other night. Uh, talk about how you know, hey, you know, um, you know, he, he almost spoke as if he was just regal and royalty. Uh, these boys ain't playing that. And you you haven't been in that that AFC East. You've been in in the NFC North. They may know you over there. You've got your you know you you built your bones over there. But but now you got to build your bones in the East. And uh, you're gonna be playing in some weather, brother. And uh, that East Coast media ain't like the media in Green Bay. So get ready, buckle up. So I think the connection with him and Garrett Wilson is going to be very real. I mean, he can throw to anybody. Basically, everyone throughout Aaron Rodgers' career who's not named Devontae Adams, he made better. You think Aaron Rodgers is talented enough to take any four dudes and make them better? He's an experienced uh, game caller. So he is going to – that team is going to benefit greatly from a veteran – who can really call the game? Now, it's a it's it's a game that um, that's really been beneficial to quarterbacks because of the rule changes that you can't touch them. And so, from that standpoint, he will win. And, and I like I told when I, when I text CJ uh, Beathard every week, I always tell him be ready for two minutes because he's going in for the guy down in Jacksonville. I can't think of his name right now. The Tra- quarterback, Trevor but Lawrence. Beathard, yeah, Trevor Lawrence. He's Sunshine. the backup Lawrence. But I said the game is won in the two minutes at the end of the half and at the end of the game. And so you always need to be ready for that. And Aaron's a master at that. And those veteran quarterbacks are just masters at manipulating the clock and the game when it comes down to the end. Just like how uh, Patrick Mahomes was able to beat out the quarterback at Buffalo. It's always those last you know, two minutes because the games in the NFL are, are really plus or minus seven to ten points. So it's always going to be close at the end. But how well you manage that two minutes, where Aaron is an expert at, uh, is, is pretty much how most teams win. That's why these younger quarterbacks really struggle. But the RPO game has really changed the way the game is played now. So we're just seeing a different style of play, and I'm just curious to see how those RPO guys do uh, as the game has been changing uh, with them running the ball a little bit more. Ned James, quarterback and NFL coach, joining us on the program. We don't even need to talk about Patrick Mahomes. Boom, we'll get rid of him. <laughs> we don't need to talk about Jalen Hurts. Boom, we'll get rid of him. Don't need to talk about Joe Burrow. Boom, we'll get rid of him. Don't need to talk about Josh Allen. Boom, we'll get rid of him. Don't need to talk about Justin Herbert. Boom, we'll get rid of him. Ned James, do you have your eyes on somebody this season who's going to take the next leap and be part of the elite quarterback club? I bet I can guess this answer. Oh, no, I'm not going to say Jared Goff. Cause I know <laughs> but I, I've just always liked – I know liked, you do. You know, that's why Jake like and I are having this little contest because he's, he's picking the RPO guys and I'm Justin picking all Fields. the stiffs. Yeah. Hey, he's gonna pick, I'm a big Jared Goff guy. Guys, and I'm going to pick five stiffs, and we're going to see who wins the most games because – I love you know, it. You gotta, when, you, when you're talking about stiffs, you know, you can say – you know, a lot of people think highly of O'Connell and uh, Cousins in Minnesota. You know, that's a stiff. You know, yeah. a lot of people, you know, don't say much about, um, you know, Ryan Tannehill in, in Tennessee. You know, they, they think this this uh, Mac Jones, you know, in New England, you know, they're winning with a guy who I think is the most average of all quarterbacks. Uh, it's, it's guys like that, these guys that play in the pocket. You know, what are we going to what are we going to see? Are they are we going to see the the end of this era where there's no longer going to be any guys who are six foot four 
that can't run, that stay in the pocket, or are these RPO guys going to take over? Uh, so that's that's where we're at. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see who J.J. picks as his five RPO guys because the stiffs, you know, you, you got you got your Burroughs, you got your Herberts, you got your Jared Goffs, you got your, you know, Derek Carr. These guys can't run. These guys are going to be in the pocket. You know where they're going to be. Um, and can these guys get to a championship game? Uh, I even gave him Patrick Mahomes. I said, hey, let's go, set hike. Let's see who can win. Let's see if the old man era can trump the young man era. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, these quarterbacks, I mean, they, they, they tear them, but they're tearing them based on how many games they win. And I don't believe you win. I believe you win with good defense and special teams. That's just me. But, you know, it, it, it's interesting because a lot of when people talk about the Aaron Rodgers and they talk about the Patrick Mahomes and the Herberts and all these guys and Josh Allen, you know, they're, they're talking about wins. And so we got to see if the RPO game, if the running quarterback like Josh and Patrick can still beat out these big stiffs like Herbert and, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence, all these big guys you're going to try to play. They're going to try to play these guys from the pocket and see how, you know, who, who wins. Um, and, uh, you know, the game goes in cycles. So we may be in a different era now with these, with these RPO guys. All right, Ned, one more question for you before you let you go. By the way, thank you for joining us today. We love when you contribute to the program. You're an absolute wealth of knowledge and experience we love so much. My last question, this started off as a joke on the program because I'm a ginger, <laughs> but I really think oh, that boy. the Dallas Cowboys need oh, to trade Dak Prescott and get another number one wide receiver and give – Cooper Rush, the keys to the Porsche, and then take that to the Super Bowl. And then our boy Cooper, our ginger savior, is the first redhead to win a Super Bowl in the history of quarterbacks. Am I wrong? If there was any time to do it, now's the time because they're good on defense. So the quarterback's not as valuable or not. But Dak Prescott wins playoff games. You got can Cooper? Can you think Cooper Rush can win a playoff game? If you think he can win a playoff game, you gotta you, you can do the trade. But if you don't think he can win a playoff game, you gotta stick with Dak. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're that far apart on talent or ability. Hey, and they I have think Trey that, Lance now too. Exactly, he'd be a great backup to Cooper Rush. <laughs> but Ned I James. Doubt. That will work. <laughs> right Ned down. James, thank you so much. We'll be talking to you all NFL season. Thanks for being a friend, and thanks for being a friend of the show. Thank you guys for having me. Have a great show. Great show, guys. When we get back, more NFL talk. You're listening to Two Men On, 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. All right, I'm pumped up now. Let's go. Welcome back to the program, Duke City. You're listening to Two Men On, 95.9 FM, AM 610, The Sports Animal. Amory Castillo, back at the John Lopez Real Estate and Coal Banker Legacy Studio, has turned me on to a subject (laughs) that uh, I was unaware of until just recently and i think that um this young woman is going to get the thirst trap (laughs) of the decade award okay not the year okay the decade 
So an air quotes Instagram model is offering to pay fines for any NFL player who injures Eli Apple. That's a great intro. By the way, you're listening to Two Men on 95.9 FM, AM 610, The Sports Animal. Was that not enough for you? I'll say the headline again. An Instagram model is offering to pay fines for any NFL player who injures her baby daddy, Eli Apple. Now, hold on. It gets better. Now, A. Marie. You're welcome for this, by the way. This isn't an. Okay, we're going to follow this story the whole season. If this isn't enough, she's also the baby mama of Geno Smith and Josh Jacobs. Is this real? I can't. I need to. I hope this. I don't. I don't know what to say. She got knocked up by three different pro bowlers. Not dudes on the practice squad. She got knocked up by three different dudes who were cashing NFL checks for life. Oh, my God. Amory, your journalistic integrity is intact on this program I, uh, it forever. Re- it really is intact, and I just I can't believe that's what's on my algorithm. I don't know what that says about me, but it was the first story that popped up at the commercial break. Now hold on, this is an this is a story we're going to follow all year because somebody is going to hurt Eli Apple on purpose and claim that they get the bounty. Okay, thanks Instagram thirst track. We have a new bounty gate. Ooh, a bounty. Ooh, yes, thirst trap. I, I'm 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 here for it. So I have to. I want to find this girl on Instagram. And I will be following her now, and we will be updating you. We'll have a update every week. How about that? So, obviously, Eli Apple has played for every team in the NFL. Yes. He's been in a lot of cities. Yes. But how does she get knocked up by Eli Apple, who's always on the move, Josh Jacobs, who's been in Vegas for quite some time. It's easy to get a one-night stand and get pregnant in Vegas asking for a friend. And Geno Smith who's been in Seattle, like she is hopping city to city, getting knocked up by any NFL player that will have her. This is bonkers. I know. I didn't believe I had to reread it like five times when I saw the headline. Look, I'm not I'm not going to shame anyone for what they're into. Obviously, she's very into getting knocked up by NFL players. Again, I'm not going to kink shame anybody especially you friends of the show, but just the sheer logistics of getting knocked up by three different NFL players, the odds are astronomical. And it, you know, it's very interesting with these three players too. Gino's doing good in Seattle. Josh Jacobs just got paid. Eli's in Miami now. Uh, very interesting. I, I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to see if we have any injury updates. Sure. Fines she has to pay. I've got daddies (laughs) in different area codes. Oh, man. Area codes. How do you get knocked up that many times by that many different NFL players? And by the way, not practice squad guys, not bench guys that you meet at the bar. 
These are known NFL names. Last year's rushing leader. Last year's <laughs> comeback player of the year. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to use come in that context. The comeback player of the year. And Eli Apple. This is insane to me. Oh, yeah. And I'm looking at Burnout. Her, um, I don't want to mispronounce her name because people call me Anne-Marie all the, you, all the time. But And they will continue Destiny, to. Destiny. 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 D-E-S-T-A-N-I. Destiny? I'm assuming. Okay. That's her. That's Ooh. not her Christian name. That's her stripper name. Let's get that out the way mm. first off. All right, I can't wait to follow. Oh, this you want to hear her quote? Look, I could talk about wait, this wait, for an hour. Wait, wait, okay, okay, talk, okay. All right, get out. We got the sush. We got the sush coming up. Okay, please hit me I'm with just this. Just let you know, if you if you play against my baby dad this season, please go for the knees, maybe a hammy. Okay, that's not how you tackle people. You don't tackle people well, from. I'm just letting you know. That's a penalty. Both <laughs> of those things are penalty. Deep. Okay, now I will be watching Eli Apple more than ever. All right. Thirst Trap Watch 2023 continues all season on Two Men On. When we get back, the voice of the isotopes, Josh Sushan, and as far as I know, not multiple people's baby mama. You're listening to Two Men On, 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. Oh, my goodness. What a program today, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Had a lot of fun with it. Right here at ABQ Axe, just a shade east of San Mateo on Asuna. It's the league championship. <laughs> They're going crazy over here. I haven't seen the updated scoreboard, but we'll give you highlights and winners tomorrow on air. Been a lot of fun today. Thank you for UNM Lobo Football's Brandon Ortega for joining us. Thanks for Mandy's Farms, Melissa McHugh, for joining us. By the way, you want to help your community, you want to help people you know, with developmental disabilities and mental illness, please visit mandysfarm.org. Thank you to Ned James for joining the program, talking Lobo and NFL football. Thank you to all the callers and texters. Sorry we had to turn a lot of you guys away today. It's a busy program and a busy day. We love us some ABQ acts. Having a lot of fun out here. Amory Castillo. Yes. Are you going through your old DMs looking for? I, I was looking for this uh, Instagram <laughs> model we were talking about last segment, but it's very important. We have such little time to talk to the wonderful Josh Sushan. Voice of the Isotopes, Josh Sushan, right here on Two Men On, 95.9 FM, AM 610. The sports animal. Very important question, Josh. Is there some kind of Instagram model thirst trap who is falling around you and your voice of baseball cohorts all over the country trying to get impregnated? This isn't the this isn't the start of the program you expected. Important question. What do you do with groupies, Josh? Well, man, I, you know, you never know what topic <laughs> you guys are going to play. That's part of the fun of this show. I, I think this might be the easiest no that I've ever had, though, out of all of the crazy topics that you've thrown at me. Well, first off, Josh, you're, you're handsome. 
you're talented, you're successful, you're the best in the game. I could only expect that some Instagram thirst trap will follow you around just like this one lady did. If you missed last segment, Sushan, the same lady got impregnated by Eli Apple, Geno Smith, and Josh Jacobs. I want to tell you, are the odds of that better or the odds of a shutout in the PCL? You tell me. I like what you did there, Van. Thank you. Well, put it this way. It had been a little over four years since the Isotopes had their last nine-inning shutout. So it might be a little bit more the Instagram model. That might be more (laughs) Just barely. Just barely. Just, Just ever so slightly barely. The Isotopes with a 5-0 win last night, a three-hit shutout. How fun was that? Yeah, a, a lot of fun. And so here's the thing. Whenever you get to sea level in Sacramento, you always know, okay, there's a chance that something could happen differently at this ballpark than what happens in Albuquerque, right? You're at sea level, and it was kind of like this hazy night. You can tell the ball wasn't carrying much, and – but the other thing that's crazy is the Isotopes walked nine batters, right? So how often do you, A, walk nine batters and win a baseball game? Right. And number two, walk nine batters and not give up any runs. In fact, Sacramento only got a runner to third base like three times the, the entire game. Some double play grounders help. You know, it was, um, it was a cool night, and, and I think out of all the things that made it great, Nick Mears was the third of four pitchers. He had two scoreless innings. He's from Sacramento. He had this huge rooting section of fans. You could hear them. I think you could hear them back in Albuquerque. They were so loud. So it was just really neat for him. He grew up going to this ballpark as a kid. He was part of, like, Little League Day when he was a kid growing up in Sacramento. And so for him to come back, it was his first time ever pitching at this ballpark. So I think that's what made it most special was the two innings that he threw among the nine innings of the shutout. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. We're in the Pacific Coast League. We play a lot of high elevation games. But here we are on the coast doing low elevation things. Is this finally the advantage that we've been looking for so long? We got 16 to 17, 13 to 12 games here at the lab. We go down the coast. We're unhittable. Well, let, let, let's see how the rest of the week goes, right? You know, um, <laughs> let, let's see. Let's like, I you know that I love the drip of the of, of the two men on, and I love your over the top confidence. I sure. do feel like every time that you guys start predicting a six game winning streak, we lose. All right, let's not do that. Now, hold on, so, we just predicted yeah. a six game winning streak and went five and one. That's super close. <laughs> so you know, let's we're, we're going to be very humble about this. And we're going to just be grateful for uh, for yesterday. And, uh, and and we'll see what happens with, with tonight's game and the rest of the week. All right. So who's on the bump tonight? Who's uh, most likely to be pitching in the what? bullpen? Can we do this again? I'm actually really excited to watch tonight's starting pitcher. His name is Tanner Gordon. Just joined the Isotopes last week. He was one of the pitchers the Rockies got in a trade with the Braves that sent Pierce Johnson to Atlanta. So, you know, he's one of the guys the Rockies targeted, right? They made a bunch of trades of of older veteran guys for younger pitching prospects, and initially none of them came to Albuquerque. But now we've started to see some. We had Victor Vodnik, 
who's probably going to pitch tonight, right? He's another guy from that trade. He's probably going to be the guy in the eighth or the ninth inning. And then we have Tanner Gordon. He's starting tonight from the Braves organization. This is his, um, I was about to say it's his first pace in the PCL, but he pitched in Round Rock last week. Only went two innings. There was a couple of comebackers that hit him in the leg, so for precautionary reasons, they took him out. So we'll see if he can follow up with um, what everybody did yesterday. So this is the playoff push for the Isotopes. Every single game matters. It's like we're already in the playoffs right now. What does the manager, Pilo, say to these guys every day to keep them in that playoff mindset? You can't take a day off, right? Like, I mean, you think about it, there's there's 23 games left in the season, and the Isotopes are five games out of first place. Now, this is not what Pilo say to the boys, because he, he's a less is more, just sure. keep doing your thing, you know, but I look at this objectively, and I think if Round Rock has won 18 of their last 19 games, eventually they have to cool off. But it's not like, okay, put it this way. Let's say Round Rock just goes 500 the rest of the way, okay? Then that means that you kind of got to go, you got to go, you got to win like 16, 17 your last 23, right, in order to have a realistic shot. So every pitch can be the difference in a game. Every every bunt can be the difference in a game, and that can be the difference in making the playoffs or not making the playoffs. Sush, who is on the pregame? Well, I teased it a little bit. Nick Nears, you know, mm. he, he, I got to talk to Nick. You know, he's his story is so crazy, guys. I mean, he – I don't want to give all away too much, but he pitched his entire senior year with a blown-out elbow. He missed three years in college, one because he was rehabbing, another year because of a dirt bike incident, and a third year he missed because there's just a lot of tragedy that was going on in his life with people who meant a lot to him, and so he stepped away. So, I mean, the guy barely pitched for about five years, and he still ends up in professional baseball. He's reached the major leagues, two different organizations. It's a remarkable story, and uh, and I was glad to sit down. I've been, I've been kind of waiting on when to, like, dive into this story, and I thought, well, I want to wait till we get to Sacramento so that – the emotions are more raw for him being back where he's from. And then the kicker is he pitched so well last night in front of all of his family. All right. I heard you loud and clear, Sushan. A comeback is possible for one Van Nunley, ex-baseball player and co-host of Two Men On on 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. Have a call tonight, Sush. Thank you very much. I'll watch out for the Instagram models after the game. <laughs> Please be careful. I'll see you at uh, Isotopes tryouts next season. <laughs> Go get him, Van. Amory, you crushed it today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks to friends of the show, Brandon Ortega, Melissa McHugh of Mandy's Farm, of course, Ned James, all of the callers and texters. Uh, we're going to be at the Top Golf Charity Golf Tournament tomorrow, auctioning off our Super Bowl helmet. Make sure you get in on that. It's a prize. It's a one of one. It's an absolute prize. But I'll tell you what, we'll talk more about it tomorrow from Top Golf. We love you, Albuquerque. Be safe. We'll see you tomorrow, Burke.